Hello, welcome to Book Club. Uh, today, what day is today? Friday? Friday the 6th of July. And we are on a new book. You can't teach a kid to ride a book, uh, ride a bike at a seminar. It's a good auspicious start. You can see I've been reading, putting little page tabs in. I know you well enough to know that that means you like it. Well, that I've given it the thought. Yeah. It's had yeah. The, enough love that I've marked pages. Yes, very much Yes. So. It, uh, um, I've got to say I have started enjoying it, so... We might as well dive straight in. We're on. We've done chapters one to three. No, chapters one and two. Well, I've read chapters one to three, so but we'll do chapters one and two. Yeah. And the foreword, because I think there's actually some quite interesting things in the foreword. I never read the foreword. Do you never read the foreword of a book? I've got to tell you, me and me and books. That's going to sound like a. Oh, hold like, on, Pricey. My my book is going to be finished soon, and I'm hoping you will write the foreword. Uh, I probably won't read it, <laughs> even <laughs> though it's about recruitment. Probably won't read it, no. <laughs> right, okay. I, so, I read books as a source of information, not for any form of enjoyment. At all? No. Right. In the same way that you eat veg for, for pure yeah. nutrition, but not Yeah, enjoyment. yeah, yeah. Uh, or to prove to your kids that veg is what we eat. No, I don't, they can eat whatever they want. Right. So, I think we should just give a little bit of a preface, really, to why we're on this book. Yes. Michael? Well, I mean, you know, we, we had to read a sales book and we wanted to read something that a lot of people talk about. <clears throat> One of my clients for many years is advanced computer software. Mm. And I know that a lot of the guys there, th this is their training methodology, basically. This is what they use, those original guys. Whether advanced still do or not, I don't know. But actually, this is a very recognisable text that a, lot of, that a lot of people have and do reference and read. I have actually bought it previously. As you can see, mine's a bit dog-eared. And I have read it before. I have my own opinion of it that I've been very keen not to tell you about before we read it. Okay. Um, I, I, I was intrigued by it because a lot of candidates say it's a bit of a game changer for them in the way they think about selling. They do, yes. So I, I was intrigued by it. I'd like to caveat that with we don't have to do sales books on this show. It's about business books and sales books. Yeah, I know. But, but we're on a bit of a run of sales books, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, but I think what are we? We're absolute experts in, in sales. sales. Yes, but I think it's important that we, we keep a balanced book club. So probably the next book we'll do after this one will be a more generalised business book of some sort that's relevant to the world in which we operate. I think today we are on a sales book, second sales book in a row. I didn't enjoy Wolf of Wall Street or whatever it was called. Um, I thought it was okay, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, my copy is, and you know, it actually went in the bin on Monday. I've got to tell you, you know, I don't want to spoil this, uh, but two chapters in, I preferred Wolf of Wall Street to this. Oh, really? Yeah. Right, let's get cracking then. So, um, it, it, here you go, forward by David Matson, who is the CEO of Sandler Training. Uh, he said, little, little, uh, Techniques he'd been taught were tired ones, so tired that prospects could see where he was going and throw up objections and roadblocks that made his sales process even more difficult than it already was. David's biggest issue, he realised, was that he didn't have a playbook he could follow in a consistent manner. So we've got another author giving us another map of the world as to how to act as a salesperson today. Yes, we? but let's be clear, they're both advocates of having a system and sticking to it. Yeah, and I'm a big advocate of have a system, any system, so long as it's a system. 100%, I completely agree with that. Um, it doesn't matter how weird your system is. If you've got a system and you believe in it enough, 90% of your success will come from the belief that you've I'll got a system. I'll tell you now, I, I hope he's watching. I placed a guy called Steve Roberts with Eclipse years ago. And Steve Roberts has a system that he has created that he sticks to. And he's a very, very successful salesperson. Right. 
Okay. You know, what's your system? Oh, it's one I created. Really? That sounds a bit rubbish. Tell me about it. He could put that in a book. Brilliant. But he's got a system that he uses over and over again. Yeah, and, and then this in the foreword, he's claiming that David brought the concept of pain to the forefront of the selling industry. Really sure. Uh, I think it's a fairly big claim, isn't it? But he, he's claiming that David brought the forefront of the, the the concept of pain. David was the first to focus on how you should. Uh, and, I, and, and I've got to say, I'll tell you what I really in, found interesting here was. I'll just go through this paragraph. David was the first to focus on how you should think. It all boils down to a flexible conversational sales model that doesn't require you to memorise a tight script, which is useless anyway. These days I call the Sandler sales system a sales GPS that gets you where you need to go. So I'm quite excited about this because this is completely the antithesis of the book we've done last month. I just don't agree. Well, that's, this forward is saying it is. He's saying that the whole point oh, well, of the Sandler... Well, let's wait until chapter two then. He's saying that the whole point of the Sandler selling system is that you don't need a script. Well, let's wait until chapter two then. At which point we'll probably find out that there's a script. David challenges to focus not on the product or service being sold, but on the other person in the conversation, on the prospect, you. Uh, he wanted to know how the prospect wanted to buy. At the same time, he taught us, and I, think, I do think that's a very interesting comment, and I'm sure we'll get more into that during the course of the book, how the prospect buys. Yes, he does talk about that. and I'm, I, I, I'm, again. Now, I'm a big fan of that. Um, as, a, as an NLPer, we talk about strategies and what yes. people's buying yep, strategies yep, yep. are and mapping the buying strategy mm. and having used that before in sales situations that has been for me incredibly powerful yeah um and then he said uh, he taught us how to maintain the prospect's self-esteem he showed us how to make people feel protected and safe in sharing information they might not have thought of before or that they haven't planned on sharing openly with somebody who may have met blah 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 so chapter one five steps to help you master the selling dance and the, the opening quote is, if you don't have a selling system of your own when you are with a prospect, you will unknowingly default to the prospect system. The prospect system never says sold. It says salesperson loses. And it made me think, Mike, of the quote in Boiler Room. In every call, a sale is made. Yes. Either you sell to them as to why they should buy from you, or they sell to you as to why you should not. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's very fashionable for us not to like those kind of films. Oh, God, yeah, it's become really, well, it's almost sort of... It's fashionable for us not to like overtly being I'm a salesperson. What's the word I'm looking for? Don't worry, it's not one any of us will recognise. People are a bit condescending about it, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, 100%, yeah. Uh, that's not how I sell. I'm not like one of those sales guys. But actually, I think that's bang right. In every call, in every yeah, call yeah. a sale is made, either they sell to you or you sell to them. I agree. Um, and, and that's the reality of life. So I quite liked that. Uh, it, uh, he, he had me at hello, <laughs> as, uh, as, the film, as the film would say. So the, what's the first bit you've picked out here? A couple of things, really. Uh, he said, we'll buy the book back if you don't like it. Really? Where does he say that? Well, my version's a bit older than yours, actually, because I'm a bit more experienced and been doing a bit longer. So I bought my book before you. Yeah, you, you. Are on a very diff you're clearly on a different version to me. Because yes. the pages are, are laid out differently. Yeah, yeah. I think um, my version refers to the internet. Yours will refer to facsimile. Well, isn't that interesting that yours is called the modern uh, version? But actually, it's just a rewrite <laughs> of mine. Of course it is, yeah. But anyway, Absolutely. nonetheless. So I like the fact that he buy the book back. Uh, I thought that was, you know, I like that. Um, He's removed that promise subsequently. Oh, maybe he was given too many books back. Yeah. And the first bit, I mean, I don't know what page you're on, but I'm on page four. It says, it goes on about cold calling, basically. 
And he says, simply say to yourself over and over again, I love it, I love it, I love it, right before you go through a strange door. It will work every time. Really, it never worked for me. And I tried it. If you try it, it won't work for you either. And I mean, what he's referring to here is that salespeople don't like cold calling. I think that's nonsense. I don't say it for my own self-protection or to try and impress my prospects or whatever. I'm actually quite fond of cold calling. Yeah, you I, are. I think on a nice... And I don't mind it. I think on a cold day, you know... Cup it, of tea it, on the rain desk. Rain outside, cup of tea, standing desk, banging away 50 cold calls, I mean... Yeah. I and think, I think that's I think him should, selling his process. I think there's a couple of anomaly points here. One, you and I have been cold calling for a long, long, long but so time. But so a lot of people that listen to this. And I'll tell you what this book But does we've from. also got very good at it. Yeah, but I'll tell you what this... And, and so, we are inured to it and comfy with it, and we don't care, because we're extremely motivated to do what we need to do. I think that a lot of people are really frightened of cold calling. I think this, I see what I think about this book is, and I'm going to potentially offend some people here, who are actually good contacts of mine, so I don't want to offend them clearly. I thought, I read that and I thought to myself, ah, right, I really like Sandler. Ah, right, okay. So that means you don't like cold calling. And I thought that just oh, gave really? people an instant get-out excuse. So and that made me dislike the book from the start. And I thought to myself, what you're actually doing is you're segmenting people and saying, don't like cold calling, buy this book. That's In the all. same way that you've got all these idiots on LinkedIn, cold calling is dead, cold calling is dead. 100%. Yeah, shut up. Shut up. Now, now what you I'm, and I have both found that actually cold calling seems to be more alive than it's ever been because so many people think cold calling is dead that actually, when we make cold calls, people have received fewer cold calls than they've probably received in the previous 20 years and they're actually more open to taking the call. I I think the guy, what he should have actually said in the book is, cold calling isn't necessarily something that suits me. It may suit others, but I think I can enhance that and make it better. Yes. That's what he should have said. I just thought, that's nonsense. Then the next thing, however, on the next page, which I really liked, he said, to succeed in sales, you must observe only five rules. You must qualify, qualify your prospects. Well, it, yeah, qualify Ex- prospects, extract pain, verify the prospect has money. Yeah. Ensure the prospect is a decision-making match. So, loved that. I mean, that is literally so simple. sales 101. If my daughter, who is nine, said, Dad, I'm going to be a salesperson, what should I do? I'd get those five things and I'd tattoo them on her right hand. <laughs> You're allowed to tattoo your kids, aren't you? Or brand them. At Childline, we would see Dean that as a risk. Would you? Yes. Wow. Um, to remove from his phone. <laughs> uh, qualify prospects, extract your prospects, pain, verify the prospects. Uh, absolute, uh, uh, well, I know that you've always had a theory, Pricey, which is if you gave a man a bucket of golf balls and a golf club, put a gun to his head and said, if you don't hit one straight by the end of the day, we'll shoot you, people will always find a way of, of hitting the ball straight. They don't need a lesson. I, I think if I gave somebody those five rules a phone and a, and a CRM system full of data and said, there's your five rules. If you've not sold anything by the end of the year based on those rules, I'm afraid something terrible is going to happen to you. I think somebody would actually work out how to be a salesperson just from that. They're excellent fundamentals. That, that's the map. I don't think they're ones that he's invented, <clears throat> but he does summarise no, them superbly well. But it, I think that's great to me. And then the, the next bit, you go over the page, they start talking about some key... Uh, <clears throat> Sort of the four steps in the prospect selling system, and uh, uh, number one, he's put here: prospects don't always tell you the truth. Oh, he's just different in my book. He says the prospect lies to you. Really? 
Well, I, I was always taught buyers are liars. I hate that as a phrase. I don't. I really hate that. Everybody lies, Michael. Have you not watched House? I tell you what, I watched House and it's alright for about three shows. I, t- I tell you what I actually think is, I think to myself, that's a real, and I'm surprised at you as an nlp that's a really negative thing to say because you're entering into a conversation with your prospect already having an element of dislike for them. Yeah, because he caveats say. What he needs to be saying is... There's a fair caveat in, in, in the text, Mike. The caveat in the text is they're not lying because they're mean. Oh, yeah, it says they don't lie because they're bad people. <coughs> They're, they're not lying because they're mean. They're I not, agree, yeah. They're not lying because they're deliberately trying to obfuscate information from you. What he's saying is people will will nearly always obfuscate information because somewhere along the line it protects them psychologically. Do you know what's interesting? I was in the uh, on the train yesterday with my wife. We came back from Wimbledon. And uh, she gets this, she looks at her phone on the train. She goes, oh, it's a sales call. I said, that's right, it's a sales call. Take it. That's why you're sat on the train. The same sales call that paid for our trip to win. Yeah, correct. I was sat on the train because I'm a salesman. Take the call. She went, oh, okay. So she took the call and and, and I could hear the guy in the background went, hello, is that Mrs. Price? How are you? And I'll tell you what happens is with that how are you thing, I've said this before with scripting is, it then creates a barrier that somewhere in her subconscious means that she then is going to obfuscate the truth. I think that buyers are liars thing is all about the initial touch point from a scripting perspective, which does say. What? So you, you think that they lie? The, the, they lie. Well, what, due to a lack of rapport. Well, let's put it another way. So you're driving along <coughs> the motorway. You're doing seventy miles an hour. You're absolutely not breaking the law. Not that. And behind you, you see a police car with flashing lights on. Your immediate uh, yeah, nervous anchor, system your response, your anchor is, oh, what have I done wrong? What have I done wrong? We don't do anything wrong. And that same happens when you get a sales call of that nature. It creates an anchor that then means that the prospect often obfuscates the truth. Now, it said that, didn't you? Fair enough, that's right. Well, he does talk about that, doesn't he? About uh, He actually says here somewhere... Da, 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 da. He basically said, the general public thinks salespeople are vultures and prospects don't... I hate that. He goes, vultures. push... I've, I've got to tell you, at this point in this book, I'm only seven pages in, getting really angry, angry with the guy. He goes, lines like... The price is the best part about it, and techniques such as the alternative close event, which would work, would this afternoon work for your Monday morning? It goes on about hating that. I actually think we should get whatever this fella's name is, Sandler, and the Wolf of Wall Street in the selling room. They can both sell the same thing and see who wins. Because that is a complete polar opposite. It's a complete. Well, the, the, what I'm getting so far in this book is that this map is a completely opposite map to the map that we've been looking at for the last four weeks. Completely different, and that sort of. I mean, let's be clear, I've only two chapters in, and I don't think I've really got to the, got to the juice of the conversation yet, really. So, I, he put here, the general public thinks salespeople are vultures and prospects don't want to deal with vultures. And I wrote, do they really? Am I stuck in a bubble here? I completely agree. And I can't work out whether I'm stuck in some kind of weird little sales bubble where I sell to salespeople, loads of the people I know are very commercial people, I socialise out, I've worked with very commercial oh, people. What, what is a business owner that you knock about this weekend? What is a salesperson, fundamentally? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, we're having dinner with some friends on Saturday night, guy owns a company, he's got about 12 salesmen on the road for him. A sales guy? I've got two. So deep down in his heart, he's still a, deep down in his heart, he's still a salesman, isn't he? I've got two of my mates coming over this Saturday with the families and stuff to watch the, uh, to watch the football one of them is a chartered accountant who is actually our business coach. Yep, he's a salesperson. One of them is in property, whatever, doing deals, whatever. Actually, fundamentally, he's a salesperson. Yeah. I don't know if either of them call themselves salespeople. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So for me, I'm a bit like, come on. And the next part then is, I don't know how your book says it, but my book says, the prospect wants to know what you know. And it goes, there's about half a page and it says, there's a term for this phenomenon. It's called unpaid consulting, which is interesting because we were talking about that yesterday. Well, we've talked about this. And actually, we've talked about this a lot this week, haven't we? Well, well, people pick our brains. We have a two-hour meeting with them and all the rest of it. And actually, your conversation was, should we bill people for that? And I can see your point with it. I really can. My conversation is, but if people sit down with us and we give them some unpaid consulting, do we actually give them unpaid consulting? Or do we have an opportunity to sell our knowledge and expertise and therefore increase our likelihood of getting sell? I'm, I'm going to put a bit of context on it. So Mike and I often end up in client appointments where the client's not hiring and actually they milk us for information for a good couple of hours about the market, how yeah. they recruit, techniques. I would say 90% of those turn into the best possible client prospects for us, don't they? Well, they know that we know what we're doing. Yeah, that's our opportunity to demonstrate our expertise and skill. Um, so... I, I'm struggling to buy that off him, that whole unpaid consulting thing, particularly in what I refer to as high-involvement procurements. At some point, you've got to go and show some credibility yeah, to a client. Now, maybe you and I are naturally... If I look at the appointment I did earlier on in the week, I know that the client lost the sales director a couple of months ago. I knew before I got on the train that the client was licking their wounds. Mm. And so I knew at some point in the next few months they've got to replace that that individual. Yeah. So I'd sort of qualified the appointment before I'd gone, and in many respects I'm just demonstrating knowledge and credibility. I think what he's saying is, and what he's trying to protect his students against, light's gone out, what he's trying to protect his students against is turning up at an appointment that you've not qualified that you don't know has got any money, where you do two hours of free consulting and they leave. Now, we live in an odd world, don't we? Because we deal with very, very we senior We deal with salespeople. Level. A, we deal with salespeople, and B, we deal with very senior level prospects who simply haven't got the time to sit I, I did think to myself, no as, I, as I sat there whining about this guy, thought to myself, actually, we do sell to salespeople. Now, you and I have both sold to the legal profession, selling software, and I've been sold to uh, some public sector stuff and all the rest of it. And I've got to say, the thing that got me back in sales recruitment after not a very long spell out of it was I like selling and working with salespeople. And I think we have a luxury in that. Because so long as you're a decent salesperson, they are more receptive to it. So I do wonder whether a lot of the stuff this guy is saying, our clients and candidates identify more with because their audience is different from ours. Yeah, so what you're saying is, do you think if you sold software to lawyers, IT, lawyers. Do, lawyers or actually if you sell to IT, can you end up in a situation where you're sat in front of a client giving them free consultancy yeah. and, 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 and they've no intention whatsoever and, of buying anything? And does the lawyer think you're a pushy liar, shyster, offensive, untrustworthy low life? And they're sat there laughing, thinking, I'm pissing off the guy for two hours of free consultancy. There's a, there's, a, there's a much greater chance of that. Yeah, okay. So I think that's a fair point, isn't it? Um, then I got to a couple of other points here. I don't really know how yours is laid out, but it says you must uncover the prospect's pain, you must get money issues out of the table, you must discover the decision-making process, you must present a solution that will get rid of the prospect's pain, and you must post-sale your sale. I thought those five points were all superb, and I thought 
you must post-sell your sale. I just thought it was absolutely an excellent way of challenging buyer's remorse that actually, yeah. just literally in any environment, somebody's going to get. Yeah, I wrote that down as well. I thought it's really... So, so we're buying that, aren't we? We're not post-selling yeah. the sale. I thought it was 100% right on the money with that. Really yeah. like that. Okay, good. On to chapter two. Ha! Do you know what I wrote about chapter two halfway through? I said, this felt like it should have been chapter one. He sort of told me his life story. Yeah. And I thought, why didn't he say that first? I like... Uh, I, like I didn't dislike it. I've got to say, I'm quite enjoying the anecdotal style of... Oh, I don't. Well, no, because you just want the facts. You'd the, uh, There's an app for you, man. It's called Get Abstract. What Get Abstract does is it takes business books, boils them down into a one and a half page PDF summary. Right, I'll be in. That's perfect for you. You don't want any of the reading pleasure, do you? You just want to give me information. Correct. Whereas this guy's trying to emotionally buy you in and sell you his. He's, 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 he's using his metaphor to get you sucked yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, get, so, I understand what he's doing. Yeah, you know, some. So what do we think? He's starting to talk about golf and he's telling the stories. I've not really made much can, notes. Can I, tell you, can I tell you the one that made... I've not made a lot of notes on the, on the whole story thing. I made a few, actually, in fairness, because I did read it. I thought, um, not that I'm in any way religious or anti-religious, as you know, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Oh, good. Uh, page my page 19, it says, he goes on about, you know, having been down and out and all the rest of it. And then he started getting into, into selling supplementing income. And he said, my first goal was to absorb the material and memorise the presentation, word for word, until I could repeat it flawlessly. It's funny that, sounds like a script. Yes, but his point is that, that and I'm sure later on in the book he's going to explain to us how we don't need a script and we just need a system. We'll see, won't we? Yeah. But I then, then later on in the page it said, I had no choice, I needed the money. And I've always said this, that I think you... We may have discussed it previously, which is, if somebody's got a big enough why, they will find a how. This guy had a massive why. He said, listen, I'm stony broke. I desperately needed the money. And I really respect him for it, by the way. I'm stony broke. I desperately need the money. I'm going to get good at it. I'm going to find a way. I just think that's mega. I'm recruiting for somebody at the minute who himself is an immensely successful salesperson. I mean, I know what, I mean he'll know who it is, actually, when I say it. I know where he lives, I've known him for a long time, he's earned a fortune, and actually, I don't really know where he gets his motivation from to go out and do it, because he's got that much money, but he's just monumentally motivated, and that's what's made him good. And I did think about this guy, I thought, motivation what, 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 what is what has got him to Nothing where he motivates is. like necessity. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, what about this bit? So he, he talks a little bit here about introverts can be great salespeople. Uh, I find every sales book sells the same pitch. You know, if you read Strategic Selling tomorrow, they'll talk a lot about eagles and journeymen. Yeah, yeah. He's talking about introverts and extroverts, isn't he? The eagles are the natural sales guys. In Jordan Belfort's book last week, he's talking about the natural-born, God-given salesman versus yeah. the, the non-natural-born. In every, it, you know, we're, we've got three different books, and they're all talking about the same thing. Eagles versus journeymen in strategic selling he's talking about extroverts introverts introverts can and do destroy quota even someone who loads smalls talk is not outgoing and doesn't particularly enjoy interacting with strangers that's you pricey you can create a superior sales performer sorry about this we've got <laughs> punch up off screen <laughs> if anyone ever tells you, you have the gift of the gab and love meeting total strangers in order to succeed in sales have that person call on us and then the, he, he talks about as fate was habit i attended high school with the owner of the business that's right he, he talks about a sale where he very nearly didn't 
Yeah, he did a U and went back, and then he and made sixteen hundred dollars. And I remember, you know, Steve Griffith. If you're watching, you always used to say to me, "Johnny, it's the call you don't make, mate." That still goes through my head, that. Mine too. I was going through my leads the other day, and I was looking at a lead, and I said to myself, "That's a shit lead." I'm gonna fucking delete it. And you know, the, his voice rang in my head, and I said, "It's the call you don't make, Johnny." And I rang it. Actually, it was a shit lead. But no, but it's right. But do you know what? Out of five of but, those. But do you know why that is? I think that's because a lot of salespeople, or the recruiters in this case, have the same view. Don't call it. Oh, it's shit. Lead. I always think uh, it's a similar kind of thing. I always think the hardest people to get through to are always the best because oh, they take definitely. the fewest calls. Definitely. Uh, the ones that you know where you look at it and you think, "Oh God, he's a real bastard." There's a there's a guy I really like to deal with him. I've sent him a book. A fellow at Redwood Software. Yeah, I love to speak to him, and I fair play to the guy. He never takes the call. Yeah, yeah, he's beautifully gatekeepered. The lady on reception that's the gatekeeper, not in any way unpleasant or unfair or mean, just absolutely spot on. And I'd be amazed if any recruiter's ever spoken to him. But I'll tell you what, the one that spoke to him, fair play. To well, there's a recruiter that is unassailable there. Correct. And let's get right. They recruit. They recruit very good people. So they're they're, they're obviously it's obviously yeah, working. They don't need them. you. Yeah. Yes, he doesn't need you. She doesn't take your call. He's got no pain. She well, says, "I've got a recruit on the phone for me." Whatever. Whatever. I've got one. I've got one, and he does a good job, and my brand's good, so I can fill the jobs anyway. Absolutely. But it, it, I like that point, and I like that story about turning the car around and making the call. I used to work with a fellow, a very successful guy, um, and who I've known a long time. But he was a mate of my brother's, and at the time, he was at Thompson Local Directories. And he had a little plastic placard made right. to put on the dashboard of his Mondeo in the days when you could make money selling space in Thompson directories. And it said, just one more call. Yeah, I mean, I'm in. I'm in. Another thing I underlined was he said, like most salespeople, I have a high need to be accepted. And since since most cold calls result in rejection, I got sick to my stomach before every call. Now, I know what you're going to say. I'm not going to have been accepted. I know, I know that's the case. But actually, that sort of, I think, challenges the model of the salesperson in some, in some degree. Because if you were to follow that through, and, and I can't remember how he words it, or Eagle's journeyman, whatever, if you were to follow that through, you would say that the only model of the salesperson that we should try and hire is the gregarious sort of centre of attention individual. But I can tell you what, there's one in particular, I'm not going to mention his name, because I don't think it's fair to him. If you met him... He's so understated, it's unbelievable. You'll know who I mean. Lives in the north, placed in about nine years ago, something like that. He looks like an accountant or a lawyer. He's very dry when you speak to him. In a party, he'd be as you know as cold as ice, I think. But I just think he's phenomenal. And I think, like most salespeople, I have a high need to be accepted. And since most cold calls result in rejection, I got sick to my stomach before every call. So actually, whatever your name is, you were sat there thinking, this isn't going to work, and then you did it. Oh, it worked. Can uh, I tell you what I wrote here? Yeah. I wrote, he, he starts talking about, in front of an audience, my adrenaline started pumping. I became more fluid, more assertive. I said things I might not say at home or sitting alone behind my desk. I forced myself into this trap at least once a week. Oh. Of course, I also sold my I sales manager. the same bit. Of course, I also sold the sales manager my motivational package. But you couldn't believe that someone could come into a sales meeting, pick up a telephone, make cold calls and book appointments. His people always picked up something from the exercise, so immediately saw the benefit of my training. I actually wrote, wuss. Stop being such a wuss. You know, his wife's come in, do you know your shirt is soaking wet? 
I remember that as well. I it, remember the account under the sweat. I, I, I perspired profusely while making cold calls. It was a traumatic experience for me. I'm sorry, mate. Traumatic experiences being in the army in Afghanistan. Yeah. Making cold calls. Being in, in a, a severe office. car accident. Yes. M- m- making, making cold calls in a nice office with, with a, cup, a of cup of tea. Correct. Yeah. Looking, look, at, yeah, look at what we look at. Sitting here making cold calls, looking at York, what, what 17th floor of a building, looking at the Yorkshire countryside, the whole of one side of, of Yorkshire we can pretty much see. Massive panoramic vista. We live the dream. It's Correct. not It's not a hard It's not Like you say, he's not getting shot at. No. No, okay. absolutely. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I, I, he I says don't that, buy uh, that. And he goes, I hope he comes on the show. I don't know, if he's, I don't know how old he's doing. Well, I think David Tom is no longer with us. You know, that's uh, what I mean, yeah. So, anyone who says he likes cold calling has never made any cold calls. Well, we are. Absolute rubbish. I'm not saying, and I want to caveat this, I'm not saying I love cold calling, but I don't mind it. Just no issue with that. I think it's all right. I'd give anything to find more time to make more cold calls. Yeah, yeah I agree. Okay, the uh, three foot rule. Oh, trick. I did that. Yeah, I, I, I thought that's good. That nice. Uh, it's a nice example of reference selling. So just explain it, Mike. I have to. I have to. I'd have to to um, to to sort so of read the whole chapter. Yeah, so what, what saying is, is, if you're within three foot of someone, you got to talk to them. That's his three foot rule. So if you get in the elevator and they're within three feet of you, you got to talk to them. Yes, but then he's also talking about selling through reference from one point to another, isn't he? Yeah, but no, that's, how, that but that's was... how he got his three-foot his three-foot rule thing was. I'll tell you, there's a guy two doors, two offices down from us. Right. Do you know what he does? No. I'll tell you what he does. He sells three wills for charity. Do you know how I know? Well, of course he's to do. Yeah. So he gives. He will write a will for you, and he will do it for a donation to the charity that he works for. And the other week, I was in the lift, and he just turned around to me in the lift and gone, what do you do? Have you got a will? And I went, well, actually, it's a while since I've made one. Uh, it probably needs a look at. And he went, all right, I can do it for you. And he started selling. And I thought, he's living the three-foot rule. He, okay. just found, he just found himself a lead. Found a lead. Stood in the lift. That, for me, that's salesmanship. Fair play to me. Yeah. I um, actually thought this reference selling thing, I thought it was very relevant in the modern world of LinkedIn and secondary connections yeah. and those bits. And if you were to rewrite the book to take into account modern social selling, that would be a very important part of it. Um, I never wrote chapter three. I wrote one thing at the bottom. We're at the end of chapter two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so far, I think we... So far, I've got to say, I'm much more... There's some really interesting things on LinkedIn. Sandler selling tip. Invest in LinkedIn sales navigator tool. All right. I buy that. So I've felt it so far is I've thought, all the people I know can't be wrong. I'm really looking forward to it getting good. And getting deeper into well, it. Well, thus far, I've just read the book of some whingy guy that's given me his life story, interesting or boring, I don't care. Setting me up that... Setting us up on a promise that we won't need to do any cold calling anymore. Yeah, and, and, and also, I just, you know, the whole thing about his life story and I hate cold calling, and I just thought, well, whatever. I need to get to the juice of the conversation, which I'm hoping is going to be good because there are snippets of it, like his five rules, where I thought, yeah, right, that's good. I, I tell you what it is, and, I, and I've already started thinking about the next sales book that I want to read is 
I really want to read something that's different. What, a real paradigm shift? Yeah, something that's completely different. Because maybe I've just read more sales books than most of the people, I don't know. But I just feel like I've read this again. I've read this well, in, I think in we, other versions. Let's get let's have let's have a good four or five weeks on this. Yes. Let's learn about it and then maybe we'll do a business book that brings a different paradigm or a different thinking. Maybe yeah, something, yeah. maybe something on body language or something on interacting with people or something on productivity and then we'll come back to a sales book because I think we, we, if we go book after sales book after sales book after sales book I think we're going to go bonkers anyway yes well I'm going to read them anyway but anyway yeah right so uh, this is a recording today as it is school prize day and mini me is collecting what are you going to win are you going uh, to music, music prizes are you, go, are, you, are you going to win best homework done by a parent no no we're, we're winning uh, we're winning music prizes as many me as a musician so uh, I've got to be at prize giving this afternoon uh, and hence this is a recording done incredibly early in the morning before the day got busy uh, we will see you next week a couple of things A remember to like this on LinkedIn B check it out as a podcast you can listen to it in your car see you later bye, bye.